Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. And I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who read, readers who write, and, and everyone, everyone who, who loves, loves words. All right, so today we are uh, diverging a little bit from our normal conversations in that we're going to talk a little bit more about personal experience, um, but also tie it into our writing journeys as well. Both Laura and I have been on personal discovery journeys (laughs) to learn more about ourselves in the last few years and to just um, do, we've both been doing some research on neurodivergence and digging into that a bit. And so we thought it would be interesting to talk a bit about that um, and how some of that, those realizations have affected our writing life and um, what we've learned through that. So, yeah, (laughs) I'm a little nervous about this one. I'm like excited about it, but it feels a little more personal. So it feels like, I don't know. That's exactly how I feel about it. And it's one of the reasons why I've been excited to have the conversation because it scares me so much Mm. like (laughs) in some ways and I I think I think that's one of the things that gives this topic power is kind of being able to even though it's really scary it's very personal it's very vulnerable to talk about I think it kind of is it's powerful both from a having the conversation but also from other people potentially hearing it as well yeah yeah. Uh, especially because with autism especially when it's in relation to girls Mm -hmm. there's so little out there and (laughs) that then makes it I think it it makes it one of these things that we feel isolated um because we don't we don't have the same information out there or same level of maybe research studies or maybe we don't open up and unmask with each other and so I I think there's a lot there yeah for sure and I think that's changing there are more and more resources coming out but it is an area that is vastly misunderstood um and just before we get farther in like neurodivergence is definitely used to categorize or it's an umbrella term so yes a lot of things fall under it, including autism, um, but also other things, ADHD, yeah. um, dyslexia, like a lot of other dyspraxia. Yeah. A lot of other things. Um, yeah. basically just ways that di- different brains work kind of fall yeah. under this term. Um, and in particular, as we've both been doing research about autism, it's Laura's exactly right. There just isn't, especially when we were kids, there was not much understanding of women on the spectrum and the ways that that varies from the male experience um, or the typical male experience, which has primarily been what's been studied. So I'm just grateful that there is so much new information coming out and so many great, great resources. And I think other people also being willing to have the conversation as well, because we're obviously not the only ones who are having conversations about neurodivergence and and we're obviously speaking to our own experiences and our own kind of tapestry that is our unique uh, neurodivergence which I always bring up dyspraxia because it's one of those things it is 
part of my tapestry. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things that I didn't even hear the word until two years ago. And the second I heard it, it was like, oh my goodness, that, that is, was me. Um, And having that understanding and then having that connection to the landscape of who we are, because I, I think we all are unique individual are what everything looks like from a spectrum standpoint, from a range standpoint, from, and even as we learn more about ourselves, it changes too like, yeah. dynamically. So I, I think kind of, for me, I, I kind of see it in that way of that, that it's something that changes over time, but this is the, my tapestry right now, like as it looks. Uh-huh. Well, and I think it's really like, as you learn that, that vocabulary, it's so, um, it makes you feel less alone, right? Like, yeah, less like, absolutely. oh, this is just this thing I struggle with and I don't know what to do about it. And I can't like get yeah. this part of my brain to do this thing. Um, it becomes like, oh no, this isn't just that. This is something that actually has a name and it's something that other people experience and yes. it's something that is okay. Um, like, I think that's been a really freeing part of the my process. Um, and I think it's been really interesting to, to hear, like, you're exactly right that, um, everyone's experience with, with how their brain works and all of these things is, is unique and is different. I think it's been interesting for me though, to notice how many women that I've talked to recently, or who've come out publicly about being autistic, um, how many of the stories are so similar in that their kid was diagnosed and then they started researching it. And then like, Oh my goodness, this is me. Like that is for sure. My story. Um, my son was diagnosed, I guess almost three years ago with ADHD and, um, and being on the spectrum. And it, was like the second I started looking into both those things, I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) wait, check, check, check. (laughs) (laughs) I ended up with like a five page list of indicators. Like it was ridiculous. Um, as I did more research. Yeah. I mean, but it just made so much of my life and story make sense and helped me to reframe so many of my experiences, um, from childhood on. And it was really fascinating. I actually just recently, I don't think I've told you this. Um, when I was, I think I was in second grade was when I was just diagnosed with dyslexia. And I just found part of the paperwork from that diagnosis um, or that evaluation. And it wasn't all of the paperwork. And I'm kind of like bummed that I don't have the whole thing. But the yeah. little bit that was there was like so eye-opening because really it was not um, all that much about things related to dyslexia, like the majority of the things they were pulling out were like executive function problems, oh, social yeah. issues, like yes. all these other things that I'm like, this is the spectrum stuff. Like, but they didn't classify it as that yes. because I was a girl in the eighties, you know, like, yes. um, and they just didn't know. And so it was kind of fascinating to look back on that. It kind of was sad too. Like, yeah. Like, oh, I could have known this since I got great. They, they did the eval, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the benefit of knowing, especially at those ages, is I think potentially saving anxiety and the stories that we tell ourselves. Like it, it changes those things. And 
I don't know about you, but for me, anxiety over feeling broken, over yes. feeling like hundred <laughs> percent, like <laughs> something is wrong with me and I can't figure out what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, like the rules of the game mm-hmm. aren't clear and yep. yet you're held to this standard. And I think even more than that, not knowing that I didn't know the, like, I knew that something was off and that there was something that I didn't get, but I didn't know even, I didn't have that introspection enough to know even what that was like, like how I was functioning or how I was. And so you kind of get this narrative of, oh, am I just really awkward? Like what, what is it? Like (laughs) you, you kind of just, figure you know you just make up things that that make sense of it rather than the truth of that you could actually know that oh my brain works in this way and it does these things instead really well but these things it's like there's (laughs) there's just different ways that we are and Mm -hmm. kind of knowing that that difference isn't anything that needs fixing so to speak um I think would have at least saved some some a lot of anxiety of being in those places yeah absolutely I totally agree um I feel like looking into that and starting to recognize all of that has been really freeing too like it's been Mm -hmm. like oh okay like deep breath I I yeah it makes sense that I'm not good at these things and that's okay and I can kind of learn ways of managing that and lean into the things that I am good at or the things that do work with my brain. But it's also been oddly, like, I feel like it's been super freeing and really like empowering, but it's also been, there's been a lot of strange grief mixed in with it too. Like, or just, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know how to describe it. Like I, every single book on, so I've read a, like, I don't know, five or six books on autism and particularly on women on the spectrum um, in the past two years. And every single one, I just like sobbed through and I'm like, and I don't know if it's just like sadness for the the little girl I was who didn't know these things, or if it's also just like recognizing these things aren't going to change. Like this is who I am. And there's some, I think there's some grief in that too. Like um, as much as there's freedom in that to be like, Oh, there's some positive things about this and about how my brain works and I can lean into those. There's also this like, okay, yeah, this is going to be a struggle for my whole life. (laughs) I don't know if that makes sense. Absolutely. It does. And I, I feel that (laughs) visceral level um, because I, I do think it's it's there do tend to be things that kind of take one stance or the other. It's like it's like so this is a this is this is positive. You know, you can do all these things, and it's like from this almost over optimistically, maybe toxically positive. Yes. I had someone tell me recently <laughs> that like autism is the next stage in evolution, and it's so great. Like yes, I mean. We're the- I was like, um, no, <laughs> but there are positives, there are benefits, but you're right. Like there people are. tend to fall in either this camp of it's like all great and we should only think great things about it yes. or it's all like, it's a disability in it, you know, like, Absolutely. and I feel Disorder like the truth is really somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Like it, there yes. are struggles that come with it and there are benefits yes. that come with it. 
Absolutely. Well, and I, I think in some ways my grief is sitting with the, like, some hopes and dreams that mm. I hope for for myself that you would grow, like, that I would grow out of or yes, that I totally. would, like, be able to obtain this. this One magic. day I will be able to keep my house clean. <laughs> right. It, it, it takes away that kind of magical thinking of, yes. like, someday I will get to that point where it's no longer defining a defining feature of my life and it's like oh unfortunately that's again magical thinking and yeah. <laughs> to kind of accept um accept its place in our story and accept yeah. that this is something that's there and mm-hmm. and there is management I think yes of elements to it that that it's like I know when I'm highly stressed that certain things deteriorate and certain things, I mean, executive function is always a problem, but Mm -hmm. it can, it can deteriorate to the point of like not being able to do anything because you're kind of in this place of like paralysis. um, Mm -hmm. At least for me, when I get stressed and, but everything that I'm supposed to be doing. (laughs) (laughs) Or or sometimes I think even getting to the point like of shutdown that it, like yes. everything just hits all at once and you're like, nope, it's like the heart reset as if I'm a computer and my <laughs> everything is just like, nope, we're just going to, you know, declare bankruptcy and we're going to just <laughs> shut down. Oh, <laughs> uh, so true. I think recognizing that complex nature to it is important mm-hmm. as, as as we go through like the journey with it of of that and and even all the baggage I I like that you said that about grieving for the child that you were because I think there is at least for from my experience too a lot of that grief associated with making sense of Mm -hmm. what happened so far after it occurred and and kind of wishing I could bring that kid in yeah in all the various stages of of just hurt and pain um and isolation I think loneliness like Mm -hmm. feeling again feeling broken like feeling like something functionally the chip that was handed out to so many other people not everyone but so many other people like it skipped me for some reason like bringing that kid in and just being able to put things in context and being able to make sense even even for like when Xander was diagnosed because I my story is very similar in that I didn't start asking any of those questions until we had those conversations with specialists about my son and it it was interesting how long those conversations went on before the light went on within me Mm. um and how much research I did with his experience and kind of tying those things because his his experience is different than mine it's it's it is we are different people, but then there were certain things that all of a sudden I'm like, oh my goodness. And then a light went on and it, it really allowed me to make connections that I hadn't 
before. Yeah. But even like having the grief of seeing like seeing someone who could get that understanding at a young age and maybe we could help like support and put that. Yeah. There was some grief to that too of like, mm. oh, I wish I had that. And I don't begrudge. Sure. You know, <laughs> any when their experience, but I like grieving for not having that support, I think. Mm. Yeah, totally. I think that's such a great point that you point out how different even that you and your son are. Like, I I think it's important to remember that that this is a spectrum. <laughs> like, I really love the yes. like. Have you seen those like circle graph things that have the yes. like different sensory stuff with the colors function thing? Yes, and, and it, I how love people that fall on different in different ways on that, and I love that yes. graph so much. <laughs> Me too. Like, yes. <laughs> Because but it does, yeah, it does it such a great job. Yeah. yeah. And and not from a line perspective. Yes. Like we talk yes. about the spectrum and it's like, you think it's a you line. Think of a line. Yeah. Like, you think of like heat. high functioning and low functioning right. or these sorts of things, which are just antiquated. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, it's a great model of showing the, the levels of difference within different aspects. Yeah. Like I, I just, I think it's a great model as well. Yeah. Okay. So how does this tie into your writing life and your reading life? Because this is a writing and reading podcast and that's what we talk about. So Absolutely. I'm curious to know how learning these things has affected that and how even yes. knowing these things has now made sense of maybe some of your writing journey. Or yes. And I think, I think a lot of it has been with the, like, there's things that I do naturally that, mm-hmm. you know, deep thinking, going deep into, (laughs) yes, absolutely. Aesthetics. Like for me, like I go into details and I, I love details. (laughs) I love them. And I, I think like knowing these aspects of myself, of the, even with dyspraxia kind of connected, like I take time with things and I, my processing is slower, like things like that, even how fast I can talk or respond to something. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those things are kind of connected with all of how I work. Yeah. Um, and I think getting that understanding of, oh, <laughs> don't fight against this. This is how you, <laughs> you yeah. work. So I've I've been, I lean into a lot of those things that where I know that it actually benefits the work by having, like having that level of depth and having that level of care and, and even hyper, hyper obsession with something because you can ride that wave. Like you can learn how to ride that wave in a way that it helps you with the project that you're currently working on or with the, you know, say on the podcast with the topic that you're currently working on, when you lean into those things that it's like, it's your natural tendency and you're already in that space, don't fight against it, like let it work for you. And then finding ways of then when you have to disengage from that or do the hard things, finding ways of setting it up so that it works well. And for me, like if I have a schedule and I'm told, I've told myself like this thing happens on this day at this time, Uh. like (laughs) 
I naturally kind of buy into that <laughs> because I I I don't like change as much. We were talking about that um, earlier that, you know, change can be hard sometimes. And for me, like change is really hard. I, I, I tend to do much better with routine than change. Um, and it can be distressing when I break from routine. So if I incorporate those type of things in my routine, I kind of trick myself into doing work that I find repugnant um, because it's part of it's on my planner I have to do it like I have to like get that check mark off so I think realizing how my brain functions and finding the tools that really do help ride the natural tendencies of my brain and then it frames something it's so that it makes it easier because executive function like I if I'm just left to my own devices like and it's not written down and I don't have like my little set routine for it it will just be chaos absolutely I will (laughs) forget to eat shower (laughs) absolutely and signals like those signals of your body like they just don't come through especially (laughs) if you're doing something that's highly like Special interests, obsessive. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's uh, reading can sometimes be oh, really yeah. bad in a book oh, that yeah. you love. Because totally. like <laughs> you get in and then it's two o'clock and you're like, I haven't peed in like six hours <laughs> and haven't eaten and haven't <laughs> like they, everything is kind of set by the wayside. <laughs> totally. Do you do phone? alarms because I we're I do. we're starting I, to move into that I am yes. obsessive with my alarms they go off yes. all the time it's like the only way I can really like remember to take my meds and eat something and get my kids yes. what they need because like, otherwise I get total tunnel vision and it's and I think that for me is like people comment sometimes on how much I write and how much I can how many words I can get in and have how fast and it really like I want to say like it's not really all that great because it's really based on this it's like obsessive behavior where I tune everything else out because I only want to pay attention to my special interests and nothing or no one else (laughs) um absolutely so I have to like discipline myself the other way, like not yes. do it. Like set my alarm, you're only gonna do it this way, or you have to get these things done before you can do it, or whatever. Right. Like play all those tricks on my brain. But those tricks can be so effective and yeah. so good at balancing those things out because it's that two-sided thing again that you can go too far one way where you're like there are all these things that are being <laughs> taken care of that really probably should be. Yeah. And, and then there's like the other side of not going too far, like being like, I have to get everything done before I yeah. can do. Cause I, I think there is the potential to go too far on both yeah. of those sides. Well, and I think I used to feel a lot of guilt when I would get yeah. into like um, yes. compulsive behaviors or into like mm. a special interest and really just want to do that. I would feel so much guilt and shame about neglecting other things. And I feel yes. like that's one of the things that's come out of some of this stuff is that I, I'm learning to recognize that that is how my brain works. It's really feeding for me. Yes. And it's like when I can lean into that um, and create systems or 
rely on other people for some of the things that I'm not good at. And I can yeah. lean into that. I can get a shit ton done, you know, like <laughs> I can, I can write a lot. Yeah. I can read a lot. Like, and, and I think that that has, has its own benefits, hopefully in the long term of my career someday, knock on wood, you know, so I'm trying to like, I think I'm feeling less guilt and shame about it. Although I yes. still have to, you know, balance it to some extent um, because I do have a family and kids and things that I can't just totally neglect. Um, but I'm I also think- trying to recognize like, this is, this is good. I can ride this yeah. wave and use it for my benefit and the benefit of my family eventually. Yes. Well, and I think allowing yourself to see and value it yeah. and reframe that guilt, that guilt yeah. of, I should not be doing this. This is something that, you know, like when you can tell yourself a new story, that story of this being obsessive about my writing, being motivated, being in love with and passionate about, those are all great things. Like those, and when you can reframe and, you know, I I don't think there's any way to get rid of that shame and guilt because I I feel it too. But when you can tell yourself that new story of when it, when that guilt arises of being like, no, this has value. This, this is worthwhile. I'm investing in myself. I'm investing in something I love Mm -hmm. and that I'm, I'm doing to create, to potentially have that future that I've been hoping for and dreaming about. Like it's, 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 wonderfully freeing to be able to, to totally. tell yourself that new story. Yeah. Well, and I think like as much as we need to work with and strengthen our weaknesses, like really where we come alive is by leaning into our strengths. And that is, yeah. you know, like, I think if, if I constantly tried to curb that um, passion or control that and just do the things that I think I need to do or the things that I feel you know, like I should do, um, and constantly was working with my weaknesses and with executive function, I would be miserable. Like I've I've done that before and I was miserable, you know, like it doesn't, it doesn't work in the long term. Yeah. So I think it's been really helpful for me to stop, to try to start start telling new stories like you talked about and to just be like, no, this is okay for me. And I, I can do this. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I think there's a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. and shame and guilt yes. just in, in general. In, in, in general. <laughs> but I do think that a lot of neurodivergent people yes. do talk about those Some things like as that. part of yeah, their, yeah, sure. part of their journey and part of like that constant balancing that constant, having that conversation within themselves. And I think even as we look at managing those things that are really just kind of side things that come along (laughs) for the ride and maybe they have been there for years and years and years of habitual kind Mm -hmm. of processes in our brains going on of what we tell ourselves like I know for me listening and having that awareness of what it is I say like what it is my subconscious says to myself, those, those internalized things, having like working on having the awareness when I hear myself say something like, like that, where I guilt myself or I say that this doesn't have value, even, even kind of in that I feel 
that even if it's not the words in my head. Yes. I, I think there's so much of that that as I gain that awareness, I can call it out more. Mm-hmm. And then the management becomes a little easier because I understand how it feels or I understand how I sound when I'm shaming myself or when I'm giving myself more anxiety because of certain certain things that are going on, I can start then bringing it back in or uh, calming myself down, having, you know, doing, employing the different tools and skills that I've learned over time. Uh, that's been really helpful, at least yeah. from the mental and like physiological side of, <laughs> of this. Yeah, I totally agree. And, well, and I think some of those tools are things that, I mean, some of those tools I'm sure are things that you learned earlier on. And, but I think some of that is also why it's beneficial to, to do this research and to have these labels or learn these things, because then there are new tools that you come across and things that that you learn about how other people manage these struggles or how other people, um, help with some of that mental stories or whatever. And that, that opens new doors too. Yeah. I love that. Which kind of leads us into our next yep. week's conversation, <laughs> where <laughs> we will be talking um, more about labels and calling things names. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so we hope you join us next week and that you enjoyed this episode. If you did, leave us a review. That's how other people find us. And keep reading and writing and getting to know yourself more and putting your voice out into the world. Thanks for joining us.